You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast raising the bar at workplaces everywhere. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective are their own and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking with Dr. Patrick Simon, a senior partner with McKinsey & Company, about McKinsey's The State of Organizations in 2023 report. We'll be talking with Patrick about the biggest shifts transforming organizations in 2023. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Workplace Perspective has a new website. Visit us at www.workplaceperspective.com. Check out our new look, including our featured guests and archive sections. Share us with your friends and colleagues to help us continue to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome all of our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Patrick Simon. Patrick, before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm Patrick, Patrick Simon, a senior partner out of our Berlin office. Uh, I've been with McKinsey for 17 years and in that capacity focused on helping organizations uh, create more effective operating models. Um, And I'm one of the lead authors of the State of Organizations report, which I think we'll talk about today. Absolutely. We're going to focus on that. I can't wait to hear about it. So let's jump right in. Why don't you tell us, give us a little bit of a broad overview of you talk to, you know, why the state of the organization, who you talk to, um, give us some of those details. We're happy to. So about a year ago, we got together as a leadership group of just a bunch of people at McKinsey who are leading the organization practice. And we shared an observation that CEOs and CHROs around the world had started more so than before to ask us pretty foundational, fundamental questions. How can I rebuild my organization so it's fit for the future? How can I harness new talent, given that the younger generations have different preferences? My generation got disrupted by COVID, by the sustainability aspirations, by conflicts in the world. How do I deal with that, right? So we came together and we decided to write a report that would essentially function as a compass, a compass for the C-suite to let them know what are the top 10 shifts that everyone should be aware of in order to create effective organizations that are fit for the future. So we went out, we interviewed slash surveyed 2,500 business executives from companies around the world with a focus in this first edition of the report on North America and Europe. We married the insights from those surveys with our own foresight, with the many conversations we're having around the world and the many data surveys we do on, on other topics. And we came up with a with a set of 10 shifts. Uh, I'm happy to talk more about those. We also celebrated the achievements of eight beacon organizations, organizations that we thought did particularly well in creating effective operating models. And we'll talk we'll talk about the practices of them in the report as well. I'm super excited to hear about this. What I want to know overall, though, first is, what did you find most surprising about the results? There's a few things. So one of the surprising things was the consistency of the answer across continents and across companies. And the two top answers we got, if there were two things I would point out in terms of organizational priorities, it is number one, speed. 
and through speed building resilience. And number two, a relentless perennial effort on talent and focus on talent. We've seen both before, right? Both have been topics, but just the consistency coming out of COVID with which business executives would point to those two was interesting. And it's it's logical, right? Because in a world where there's a lot of volatility, where there's a lot of uncertainty, the only things you can actually get right is number one, to be fast, to be reactive, to make sure that the time from picking up a signal in the marketplace or in the organization until that signal travels to the decision maker and back to the front line is minimized. And secondly, that you just make sure you have the best people, people that are willing to adapt, that are curious, that are inventive, that are creative. Those are really the two core recipes. And obviously, the talent point breaks down into, into other trends that I'm happy to talk about that were pretty prominent. But it's really that consistency that I thought was most surprising. That's really interesting because it's true. It's so hard that, you know, I don't know if it's even the larger the organization has anything to do with it, but sometimes it's so difficult to turn the ship in a different direction. But those two things really do seem to correlate. You've got people who, like you said, are willing to adapt and willing to change. You know, you're not spending all your time trying to pull everybody along with you. You've got them right there beside you, helping to ship things and turn things around. Let me ask you, what didn't surprise you? Um, Well, there were, I mean, there were a few things that, came up that I think were were to be expected. Hybrid, which we ended up calling true hybrid as a combination of in-person work and remote work, made it to the top of the list as well. I think we live in a fascinating time because in a sense, the workplace as a physical location of work, probably more contested than ever before. And it's in competition with another beautiful place that we call home. And I think that whole dynamic between working from home, working on site has really opened up an an, an interesting situation. My personal view is that the workplace is going to come out stronger than ever before. I'm seeing a lot of creativity happen. I was just in Brazil to to present, uh, represent the state of organizations. I was able to visit one of the, one of the big Brazilian companies and it was just beautiful what they had done to the workplace, really redesigned it as a place to meet, to jointly create, to learn, to apprentice each other. So I think we're going to come out good. We do see that um, younger talent is interested in hybrid. Um, You know, four out of five people that have experienced hybrid work models don't want to go back. Uh, And it's kind of obvious because it's beautiful. You get to spend another day at home. Maybe you get to see your loved ones, you know, grab lunch with your kids. That's a pretty strong value proposition. And we do see companies that invest into hybrid as a value proposition do better on the talent market just because it's easier for them to to attract people. That was one. The other one which we ended up calling the capability chasm, essentially describing the gap between the capabilities that organizations need to be successful in the future and the capabilities they currently have is massive. And only 5% of the people we surveyed came back and said, yeah, we have all the capabilities we need. So 95% need to evolve on capabilities. Again, if I look at the strategies that that we craft together with our clients, um, guilty as charged, I'm crafting a lot of strategies that are built on capabilities that currently do not exist in the right quantity and quality, which is a good thing because you need to be forward-looking on capabilities in order to create competitive advantage. But just thinking about AI, digitization, advanced analytics, sustainability, there's more. But crossing that capability chasm also came up very prominently, and it didn't surprise me because a lot will need to happen over the next years. 
Well, we're going to take just a quick break. And when we come back, I want to get into some of those really significant shifts that you found through the report that uh, organizations are facing. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Take a step toward bringing our country and community together. Start a meaningful conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with Patrick Simon from the McKinsey and Company, talking about their report, The 10 Most Significant Shifts That Organizations Are Facing Today. So, Patrick, let's have you walk us through some of those organizational shifts. Happy to. And I'll, I'll maybe select three. There, there's 10 out there. Uh, we invite everyone to take a look at it. It's hopefully interesting. We're getting a lot of feedback that it's quite interesting. And I've already touched on a few. If there were two or three more, I would pick. One is around what we call the new rules of attraction and retention. What we're observing is that the social contract between employers and employees is changing. We look at Generation Z and what they are looking for in a job. It's more than before, right? So previous generations, they were in an okay place with good work-life balance with, I would say, a general sense of meaning and uh, a good level of compensation. So kind of the, the usual suspects. If we look at the Generation Z preferences and priorities, a lot about meaning. It's about purpose, about connectivity, finding an emotional home, being accepted by the organization they work for more as holistic human beings. So that's something that um, we're seeing come out pretty prominent uh, out of the survey. So making sure for employers that want to attract the best talent to realign what they have to offer with what new talent is looking for is important. And it's not always easy because the values of the past are deeply ingrained in organizations and they're wonderful, but in a lot of cases, they need a bit of renovation. Let me ask you before you shift off that, let me ask what, what types of things, um, what types of renovation, what are you talking about offering better benefits, addressing mental health issues? So what kind of things are you thinking about when you're talking about? Yeah, a lot is about purpose and deeper meaning to work. So we're seeing that that the younger folks that are entering into the work market, they're looking for a deeper meaning to life through work be it working on sustainability or being very consumer-centric or helping in improve the, the quality of people's lives. But the majority of people are looking for a deeper purpose that goes beyond the simple commercial success of the organization they work for or the commercial success of their job. And I find when I work with organizations, almost always it is possible to formulate that purpose and then take it and break it down into what does a company do? How is a company organized? What are the strategic priorities? And also what's the people value proposition and the, you know, the brand that we want to have in the market? I love that. And that makes me so hopeful for the future um, with regard to what people are actually demanding um, and seeing from their employers. I think it's great. So what else? What else was it? Was a, well, so on the, on the, I'll come to the flip side of some of this because we also ask people around um, how inspired they are by leadership. And only 25% came back and said leadership in our organization is really awesome. I'm looking up to the people I see. They are role models for me. They're inspiring and self-aware. So three quarters of um, the population we surveyed said we, we have an issue. We have an issue. Honestly, it's partly unfair. I've seen amazing leaders come go through covid 
and they had so much stress. They had to shoulder the whole burden of the chaotic COVID times. And everyone was looking to them and everyone's in their case and saying, hey, you got to lead through this, but you also got to be fun. You also got to be inspiring, right? So we, we see that some of those those grades really dropped over the years. It, it's key. Um, again, the younger generation, they're looking for people to work with that are inspiring, that have self-awareness and that are role models. So investing into that is, is a real priority for organizations. Maybe a, another one which is on diversity, equity, and inclusion, which authentically has been a priority for many organizations. The majority of my clients have put a lot of work into it. They have strategies and concepts in place to really support people that may not feel included to dial up the aspiration on, on diversity. But if we're honest, and if I'm reviewing some of these concepts with my clients, there's still a little bit of sense of reluctant inclusivity. Stuff is on paper, and there are role models at the top and sometimes selectively throughout the organization, but the whole organization proactively embrace and look for opportunities to be inclusive. There's still a path to go there. Do people that sit in a cafeteria proactively go to someone and say, hey, you're sitting alone. Can I help you? What's going on? Do you want to sit with us? Which obviously is a very simple example, right? Does that go deeper? If you are a leader, do you proactively reach out to people who maybe who may belong to a minority group and say, hey, can I help you? Can I actually support you and sponsor you? And there's still a path to go there. So this kind of from reluctant to proactive inclusivity is another trend we're seeing. You had mentioned, I want to go back one, kind of because you had talked about the capability, this continence between capability. Can you elaborate a little bit more when you what you mean by capability? Yeah, sure. Um, so so when we talk about capabilities, we mean institutional capabilities of an organization that allow them to bring an amazing offering to the market. I'll, I'll give you an example. If you are a fashion company and you have the capability to connect one-to-one -one with your consumer through an amazing e-commerce loyalty program, I'm just making this up, that's an amazing capability, right? Because you get the data, you have the one-to-one -one connectivity, you can interact with the consumer and the customer in a, in a, whole, in a whole different way, right? And so I'm talking to a lot of clients that say, I want that capability, but I don't have the digital capability people right now. I don't have the, the technologists. I don't have the data scientists. So they're, they're missing out on a whole group of talent that is scarce in the market right now. So you would then ask, you know, how can you acquire that capability? You can go look for it in the market where talent is scarce. So you can try to train your own people and try to build that bridge between the existing capabilities and the, and the future capabilities. Great. And um, we just have a few minutes left. Talk about, unless there's one more one more point you want to make on the, the issues. We're good on the issues because the talent one covered covered a few of the others. So happy to happy to go to the next question. Let's talk about best practices. So you you pointed out several things that companies need to shift uh, to be able to transform that they should be aware of. So do you have any best practice thoughts for how companies can make that happen? And let me maybe build on a few of the observations we've made through analyzing the Beacon organizations. So we have eight organizations that we kind of celebrate in the, in the report. For example, Lego, Decathlon, Mars, or, or Hire. So, so very prominent, amazing companies. And they have three things in common, which I think are helpful as you start on an organizational transformation. Number one, I think they all have what I would call an external North Star often the customer and the consumer and the well-being of the customer and the consumer in, in a very authentic and real way, waking up in the morning and thinking about how to improve people's lives 
or in the case of Mars, also the lives of amazing pets around the world and holistically care for them. And that external North Star does something beautiful. It helps the organization reorientate themselves. So there's very little internal focus. It's an external focus and passion for the consumer and customer. The second one, I would say equally important as consumer centricity is for these companies, is employee and people centricity. I find when I talk to them, it sounds like they are a people company. So people are really at the center, caring for people authentically, helping talent develop, providing opportunities for growth. And then I think the last one which they have in common is a strong purpose, a purpose that people can connect to. And we're seeing the strength of purpose. It's starting to outweigh a little bit the tough matrix of a hardly hard-coded performance management organization. So this, this broader vision and idea where to head, it's really powerful with these companies. So as organizations endeavor on organizational transformations, thinking about external orientation, people orientation and purpose to guide and, and craft an aspiration. I think that's kind of my key learning from, from talking and, and working with these folks. That's great. Well, Patrick, this has been really helpful. And I so appreciate you coming on and sharing what you learned in the report and your personal expertise and your observations. It's been great. Loved having you on the show. Maybe you can come back next year and uh, see where we've come in a year. Well, thanks for having me. All right. You can learn more about Patrick by visiting McKinsey's website at www.mckinsey.com slash our people slash Patrick Simon. You can also connect with Patrick via our website at workplaceperspective.com. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspective's team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar.